Welcome to the Five Heart Podcast with John and Todd, because that guy, Greg, with a great voice isn't here this week. I can pretend to be Greg. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Greg Mahachko with the Five Heart Podcast. That's not really even close, is it? No, not really. You know, with us two, they ought to call it the Five Heart Geezer Cast or something like that. <laughs> I'm not a geezer. You son of a bitch. You're the dude. You're the dude. I am. Look at this hair. I, I work hard at getting this way. Sometimes <laughs> I don't shower for three or four days at a time, and it just shows up. <laughs> so what's going on right now, Mr. Todd Guy? Well, it seems from a sports perspective, it seems like everybody in the country is focused on the NCAA basketball tournament. I've got the wrestling tournament on, but, you know, the basketball tournament generates all this revenue that – they put all these teams and coaches through hell this year with all this COVID stuff and uh, played it anyway so that they can uh, have all that money coming into the NCAA coffers from CBS. Well, it's important. It's important. Money makes the world go round. Well, Maybe there not you go. for you, you commie bastard. Oh, yeah, but you capitalist. There you go. For everybody else, did you do for a bracket? No, for the, for the first year in a long, long time, I did not do a bracket because I don't care. I don't care. No, this, you know why you do a bracket? Tell me, John. Okay, you, you do a bracket so that when you pick the most unlikely shit possible, like Iona over Alabama, that's what you tell people about. You go, I picked that. You might have got the other 38 games wrong that day. But if you get Iona over Alabama, correct, that's the one you hang your hat on. There you and go. Actually, it's, I, it's all bragging rights. It's all about bragging yeah, rights. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. there's people that do this for money or to win their office pools. Uh, my daughter texted me 14 times this morning about this bracket thing as if I knew what the hell was going on with basketball. Uh, you know who does know what's going on with basketball? Who's that? The Rotten Sun. Okay. That guy knows what he goes. He goes out and uh, he actually wins stuff and makes money off wow. the NCAA tournament. He's he's very good at it. I showed him my bracket and uh, he had fun with it. And I changed some things. But well, uh, uh, I have Creighton going out in the first round. You know, I guess Obama does too. Is that right? I heard that. I heard that yeah. Obama had him going out. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but, uh, you know. P.J. Uh, Carlissimo had him going out, too. I picked Gonzaga to win it all because I'm that kind of a wiener. That way, there you see, go. I, I picked the upsets, and then I picked the Gonzaga. I picked Gonzaga versus Illinois in the top uh, the game, the big game. Well, uh, I think I heard something when I was driving home from Minneapolis on Sunday – you know, they had the selection show on the radio, so I was listening to it. And uh, they were talking – it's been like seven years or something like that since the number one seed actually won the tournament. I Don't hold me to that number, but it's been a while. You know, and I, I generally fill out a bracket just for fun, you know, and it's, it's kind of cool to keep track of them. And if – yeah, you're right. If you get lucky and, you know, you pick that upset and very few other people did, you can pat yourself on the back and – you know, being all knowing when really it comes down to just a flip of a coin usually or something like that. So, no, this is all science. It's all math. 
Oh, Matt. It's Ken okay. Palm. It's Ken Palm. Ken Palm. You go to Ken Palm and you look at this and you go, wait a minute. Loyola Chicago is number eighth in the nation, according to Ken Palm, but they're an eighth seed. What the hell's going on here? And then you get into all this discussion about how the Midwest bracket is a complete mess and how they just gave Gonzaga an easy, easy path to the final four. And, and really, you know, I could, does it sound like I know what I'm talking about? Well, it does sound like that. And you're putting a heavy emphasis on science and statistics and all of that objective stuff. I think that's crap. I think you go with karma and good luck charms and all that kind of, I mean, nobody else has sister Jean. That's why Loyola wins. Loyola wins because they have a 101 year old nun that knows the starting lineup that blesses them before every game. No one else can compete with that. It has nothing to do with the numbers and the stats and all that kind of stuff. You roll sister Jean out there on the court and you know, that's 25 points for Loyola. Divine intervention, huh? There you go. I mean, closer to God. I'm going with math. That's in science because in Kim Palm. Yeah, but look where I don't. I I I was going to say look where science has gotten us, but I'm not going down that road. (laughs) I, 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 here's here's how this works. People that listened this far. Uh, you can just make up whatever shit you want about teams and, and it'll sound good with, I really don't follow. I follow big 10 basketball, but I have no idea. For example, uh, you know, Texas tech should do well. Oklahoma state should do well. Texas is going to burn in hell because they're Texas and I hate them, but you can make up shit like, yeah, yeah the livers guy from Oklahoma state can shoot the three and uh, Tennessee's Cunningham. not going to be able to guard the outside. They're going to pull them outside and, I have no idea what I'm – there's not a guy named Livers from place. Yeah, he plays for Michigan. Livers plays yeah. for Michigan. Well, he's out, so Michigan's – they're toast. You know what I found out about this whole thing, and I just kind of fell into it? I happened to be out in Reno, Nevada, during the first round of March Madness a number of years ago, and the casinos in Reno were absolutely packed. And they told me that's nothing compared to what it is in Vegas. When you have the first two weekends of the NCAA basketball tournament, that is one of the busiest weekends of the year in Las Vegas because all those betters want to be out there in the casinos with all of that excitement, intensity, watching those games, you know, on the 7,000 screens that they have in those betting parlors out there. And, you know, just, you know, that's, that's the way it is. But I remember when we were out in Reno, I was out there for a principal's convention. And uh, I'd left that morning and came back during, yeah, I know, um, during the first round games. And it just shocked me how packed that casino was with, with all these people watching basketball games. For what that's worth, I guess it's a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, gambling. I, you know, uh, I, somebody told me years ago, never gamble on anything but yourself. I remember walking into a casino with this friend of mine named John Johnston. And when we walked into that casino and we were probably about 20 foot, 30 foot into the casino and John stuck out his arm, you know, like you do with little kids when you hit the brakes in the car, John stuck out his arm and stopped me. And he said, Shh, do you hear that? And I said, you know, with, 
John always asks these questions. You don't know if they're rhetorical or if he really wants an answer. He says, did you hear that? And I said, what the hell are you talking about? He says, just listen. Do you hear that? And I said, no. What, what do you hear, John? And he said, I hear misery. Misery. <laughs> is that a so, true story? I don't remember this at all. That is absolutely a true story. Now, Where were we in a casino together? I don't, that's something I don't remember, John. I don't oh remember God. where we were at. But you and I were in a casino somewhere. <laughs> Obviously, we were young. We were quite a bit younger. We were younger. So I said, back in the 1880s. There you go. <laughs> okay, there's another tournament going on right now. Yep. Another yep. tournament in which uh, Nebraska isn't doing as well as you expected, we expected, everyone expected, I expected. Yeah, What's I don't think it, they're doing as well as anyone expected, and that's too bad. Um, in fact, I, they're in a break right now. They've, they've, it, we're talking the NCAA wrestling tournament. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, the steps that they've taken to keep everybody safe, this COVID mitigation down there, they've gone above and beyond anything that I ever would have thought of or had expected. Um, one of the things they're doing is they're actually – today there should have been – well, technically, there are only two sessions. You got this morning session and the evening session, but they've actually split each one of those sessions in two. So they wrestle the first five weights, and then they take an hour break and disinfect everything. And all of those wrestlers that were in there for that round from 125 to 157, they get them out of the building, and then they bring in the guys from 165 up to 285 after they've disinfected. And – one of the things that's really cool is they got <laughs> when they're cleaning the mats, when they're disinfecting the mats, you know, for a hundred years, well, not a hundred years, but for the last 25 years, they've had these little cleaners that, you know, they put in bleach or some, some disinfectant or whatever. And they, you know, they, it's kind of a wet mop, but they drag them across the mats between sessions. Well, they're using those uh, blue light or whatever they are, you know, that there's some kind of a light that supposedly kills the COVID virus. And they've got them. They're probably about four foot wide. and They've got them on these little casters and they're pulling these blue lights across these mats, disinfecting the mats between the sessions. So anyway, that has nothing really? to do, do with Nebraska's wrestling, but I, I found it kind of fascinating myself. Nebraska is not doing well. Um, and it's, you know, I, I was afraid that that might happen. And I don't know why I had that feeling. But, um, you know, in the first round today, they had nine qualifiers. They won six of the nine matches, which, you know, normally you would say, hey, that's not too bad. I don't think anybody thought that Caleb Liking, you know, the 157-pound kid from Norfolk, I mean, he's a walk-on. He's, you know, he's one of those Nebraska walk-ons. If it was a football player, the whole state would embrace him and, you know, he would become iconic. Um, good for him that he got to the NCAA tournament. He's in the consolation bracket. I didn't see how he did in his second match today, but he got beat at 157. But you're thinking, well, okay, kind of expected that. But then, holy Moses, the number two seated uh, guy at 197 pounds, Eric Schultz, who got second at the Big Ten tournament, he had been ranked number one going into the Big Ten tournament. He was wrestling the 31st seed 
from North Dakota State. He was up two to nothing. And on top of this guy, and this guy did, and, and Jim Gibbons, one of the commentators, was when he was talking about, you know, reviewing it, he said, folks, that's, a, that's, that's an old school side roll that every junior high kid in the country was taught how to do and how to defend. And he got rolled and he got put on his back and he got pinned. So oh God. he was pinned in, in his first round match. Um, the highest seeded wrestler, it's the upset of the first round, which, you know, that sucks. It's great to be on the other side. Like when you had Ridge Lovett beat Max Murren last, you know, two weeks ago in, in the big tens, but um, it's too bad for Eric Schultz because he's a good guy. He's a hard worker. Uh, he's not going to be a national champion. And um, he, can, he can still wrestle back and get third place, but he's going to have to win seven matches to do that. Um, too bad for him. And then Christian Lance at 285 got beat 2-1 uh, to one by this Orndorff guy from Ohio State. That Christian Lance beat two weeks ago in the Big Ten tournament. But, you know, Liam Cronin won. Um, Chad Red won. Uh, Ridge Lovett won. Peyton Robb. Um, Taylor Vence and Mikey Labriola, they all won. Well, in the evening session, which they've just finished, you know, probably about 10 minutes ago, they just finished 125 through 157. Cronin got beat two to one. And then Chad Red, Mr. March, got beat eight to six by the Chad Red's the eighth seated guy, he got beat by the ninth seated guy, a guy from Central Michigan. And, um, uh, so that's going to put red on the backside of the bracket rather than, you know, moving forward with that potential showdown again with Jaden Ironman from the, from, uh, Iowa. I didn't see Chad red getting beat this early in the tournament. So that's definitely okay. a set, setback. Um, I don't know how Caleb liking did, uh, Ridge Lovett got beat by Max Murren from Iowa, who that was the big upset in the big 10 tournament. And, uh, it was a really hard fought. It was a close match. Uh, Murren had more gas at the end of the match than love it did. And, um, so that's, so that's he's what's on meth. So Is that what you're saying? It's an Iowa guy on meth. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, Max Murren, he's a kid that just, you know, he, he, he's a hard driver, but you know, Ridge love it. God, you love watching that guy because he's so unorthodox and uh, he's, he, he will, uh, he's a high risk wrestler. That's for sure. That's fun. But okay. Nebraska's in 10th place at this point. And I think most people had thought that they were going to, you know, at least early on are going to hang around that four five, six range. Um, but they've taken a couple of on the, ch couple on the chin today. That's, that have been huge setbacks. They can still win a lot of matches and score a lot of points, but it's harder at this point. Okay. Are we going to just say that this is yet another men's team that. <laughs> no, mean, no. This is what it looks like. This is what it literally looks like. There's a fucking curse, man. There's a curse or something. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's, I, I'm not going <laughs> to. Somebody wronged the woman. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. I, you know, I'm, I'm chalking it up to a bad day. And, um, you know, cause they've, they've wrestled well all season and um, it just, they aren't clicking today for whatever reason. 
You know, I grew up Catholic in Western Nebraska. In the Lincoln Diocese, Todd, the Lincoln Diocese in Nebraska is the most conservative diocese in the nation. You think these priests would be out there exercising, getting rid of demons, but they're not. We need to get a hold of some priests and get them to do their jobs. I'm, I'm getting to know people in the Lincoln Diocese, but I'm going to just stop right there. I value my job and my employment, so. You don't want to go stand on a street corner? Because I'm sometime I'm going to Lincoln, just going on a street corner. I'm going, hey, sorry. <laughs> <sighs> oh, okay, yeah. should we move to happier things? Yeah, let's move to happier things. Okay, we both went to U.S. Bank Stadium last weekend, and uh, we watched baseball. I was there the entire weekend. Yeah, you were the warrior. You you uh, <laughs> you watched a lot more baseball than I did. Um, you know, I, John, I tell you what, I I was so excited about being able to watch live baseball, and you know, um, I wrote the article that was. Uh, you know, on coronation this week and trying to express my feelings about the whole thing. But people don't want to hear about my feelings. They want to hear about, you know, Nebraska's baseball team. Um, I got to watch, uh, you know, the game against Iowa on Saturday and then the two games on Sunday, first Ohio State and then Iowa. Um, did not see the Ohio State game on Friday where, um, you know, they just hit the ball all over the park. They, they you, did. Um, you know, here's, here's the thing about baseball, baseball, um, maybe second to volleyball is so streaky. I mean, you know, it's, you can be on fire for three, four, five games. And then all of a sudden the tide turns and the momentum moves the other way. It's, it's different. Um, okay. One of the things that I did, it, Wednesday I missed the press conference with Will Bolt because I was going to ask him some questions. Uh, number one, I was going to ask him about the ceiling. Yeah. Because, I, you know, you were up in the press box. I was down in the sections where I could get hit by a foul ball at any moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the section I was in collected about 70% of the foul balls. There were a lot of foul balls where you were not too far away from you. <laughs> but, you know, when they went up in the – number one, when you're shooting with a camera, you're looking down the lens, and, and when the ball – you hear the – you know, you hear the ball connect – and one of the first things you do is you watch the reaction of everybody around because you want to know where the ball's going because you can't see it come off the bat. It's too fast. Right. So it's, it can be very dangerous. I know some photographers actually wear baseball helmets uh, when they're down the dugouts and stuff like that, and which is smart. And you know, right. I don't have one. I should get one, but I'm kind of dumb. But when that ball went up in the ceiling, I could, it was gone. I couldn't see it at all. And we saw a fielder struggle with it. Uh, you know, Iowa uh, played Ohio State. I think you didn't see that one. That was Saturday evening, I think. Okay. Their left fielder could – they Ohio State hit three balls into the left field that would have normally just been routine fly balls, and Iowa's fielder couldn't find them at all. Yeah. And Ohio State ended up winning that game, largely because of that. Well, what, what compounded the issues and why it was – I mean, it's a unique situation there because – you know, half of the ceiling is glass and the other half is, you know, metal or whatever. 
And so you got a solid background and you got a clear background. And depending upon where the sun is, and, and you know, you mentioned that in, in one of the articles you wrote, depending on where the sun's at, you know, that impacts the glare. And, you know, when you're playing outside, you might have to deal with the sun, um, but you know where the sun's at. I mean, you know, outfielders, that's part of being an outfielder and an infielder is knowing where the sun's at, using your glove to shade the sun. I mean, they're all taught those techniques. But in that stadium, when the ball was going up, it was going up into that clear part of the ceiling. Yeah. And then when it was coming down, most of them, well, not most of them, but a high percentage of them, you know, they were coming down in the solid part of the ceiling. And, you know, when, when you say that some of those guys had no idea where they were, where it was at, even when they had an idea where it was at, you know, I saw more guys catching balls like this over their shoulder, leaning back. Right. You don't see that on a, you know, on a normal stadium, you know, generally speaking, they catch the ball out in front of their face above their head and in front of their face. They were eight out of 10 fly balls to the outfield. They were catching behind their head. Um, it was incredibly difficult for them, but Hey, it was the same for both teams. And that's what coaches are going to say. It was the same for both teams in the second game between Iowa and Nebraska. It cost Nebraska that yeah, it, did. it was a, it was a fly ball to shallow center field that they lost three guys, three guys lost it. And, um, that ultimately I have a photo of that. Yeah, you did. That ultimately led to Iowa scoring three runs. Um, it, you know, and that's, but that's the game of baseball. That's the game. It's not so, a curse. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, so the second question I was going to ask Will Bolt is, uh, uh, and maybe we talked about this a bit, but I. Luke Roskam looked terrible in some of his at-bats. He really did. He looked like he had no confidence. He swung haphazardly. And then on Sunday, he worked a walk by just taking pitches. Yeah. And the other guys, I, some of them other guys just walk up there and hit a fly ball. One pitch, hit a fly ball. Why aren't they taking pitches? How does that work? I don't – that's the part I don't get. As well, they, the Iowa – early in, the, in, like, the second, third inning, you could see the Iowa pitcher was struggling a little bit, little bit locating the zone, and we didn't take any pitches. All we had to do is take some pitches and get a walk, get on base. Well, Coach Bolt mentioned, you know, in one of the articles that I read after, I think on Monday, maybe Monday or Tuesday, that they got out of their offensive approach. And, um, you know, there's all different kinds of philosophies, but, you know, generally speaking, you have one school of thought where you want your hitters to be aggressive and you want them, you know, you don't want them taking pitches. You know, if you, you teach them, if you get your pitch, you're going after it. You know, if that first pitch is your pitch, you're going. There's another philosophy that says, hey, we're going to be patient until we get our pitch. And what, where, where Luke Roskam struggled so bad um, in that game against Iowa, it was, yeah, it was Iowa, where he struggled so bad against him is that that pitcher did not throw him a fastball anywhere close to the plate. Everything that he threw Luke Roskam was a breaking pitch, 
or an off-speed pitch. And for whatever reason, Luke Roskin could not discipline himself to stay either stay off of those pitches or let the bad ones go. Uh, you know, Luke Roskin, you're right. He looked, he looked, he looked like a fish out of water, which is unfortunate for him because, you know, he had the matchup. He was in the lineup because Iowa was throwing a right-handed pitcher. Luke Roskin's a left-handed hitter. Um, but you know what? Luke, Luke Roskin's a senior. And the next day he came back and showed all kinds of patience. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the hitting coaches and him, you know, they sat down, you know, they probably put an emphasis on it in, in, in batting practice. And, um, you know, he didn't come out and hit the ball all over the park uh, on the second day, but he, he was a different hitter on that particular day. Um, then he had that play at the play where he blocked the oh, plate like God. Yeah, and he, he did. took over the whole fucking field, yeah. took yeah. over the whole field. Yeah. Coming out on the infield like a catcher. I mean, he looked like a fucking tank going out there. Yeah, you, your perspective on that was perfect because you were just you you had you had that angle where you could see him going out there on the field. And uh, but you know, Luke Roskin is a good player. Luke Ostrom's uh, Roskin, he's a good hitter. He's shown that over the years, you know. Um, but he uh he, he had a rough day on Saturday, and, and that happens to guys. I'm picking um, on you, Luke, because I love you, man. <laughs> but, you know, there were some other hitters that had, you know, right now Cam Chick has been struggling a little bit, you know, and there have been times when Cam Chick leads the team, you know, um, and he is a leadoff hitter, and you need that guy getting on base. But he's gotten off to kind of a slow sp- – overall, you look at the team average, and, and, you know, we all get caught up on how well these young guys are hitting and how Joe Acker's been hitting and, and Schwellenbach to an extent. Um, but they all, they kind of came back to reality a little bit on Sunday. You know, the bats went cold. Um, Iowa pitched them well, you know, and, and so did Ohio State. They had the Ohio State pitcher on the ropes in the first inning, and then he got himself squared around, and he was tougher than nails through the sixth. So um, what, what concerned me a little bit is that, I think that a lot of Nebraska's hitters lost their discipline at the plate a little bit. And, you know, we'll see if Coach Bolt gets them turned around and, and uh, you know, they're back to where they were at when they started the season. So who else did you see? I saw Chance Roach. Chance Roach is a good pitcher. He's, He's a good pitcher. You know what? It wasn't that just him pitching. It was the way that he carried himself because when you're looking at everybody with a long lens, you can see every, you know, like their expressions on their face. And uh, he just looks like, you know, he looks like a, a fucking gentleman out to walk out to a gunfight on a, on a really hot afternoon without any sweat on him. And the other guy's just going to die before he even pulls his gun because yeah. he looks at Chance Roach and he goes, I'm that's it. I'm done. I'm fucked that shit. Yeah. You know, I just loved the way he pitched. He was very machine-like in a way. He was very methodical the way that he – Yeah, I know they all have their routine, right? Every pitcher has the motions they go through, and it's really kind of right. cool to see the differences. But I, there's something about him I just loved watching. And then Cade Povich was – you know, the first game was just like bang, boom, 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 boom. I was really happy to see Kay Povich come back and, and be so dominant. I mean, he was dominant on Friday. I, again, I listened to the game on the radio driving up. Um, 
but, you know, he had a rough start the previous weekend. And, it, you know, this is something that I, you know, it didn't register with me until Sunday afternoon. You know, of the four guys that Nebraska is starting on the weekend, you're putting three left-handers out there on the mound. And that's an advantage for Nebraska to, to be able to put three left-handed starting pitchers out there on the mound. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think – you know, that, that to me says quite a bit. Now, you know, you know, baseball is a game where a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on statistics. You know, it's, it's the great statistics game. And when you start thinking about it, though, you know, if you're hitting 300, you're hitting, you know, you're, you're, you're doing really, really well. And um, so people tend to come back to average. And your good players, you know, kind of come back to, to where those averages are at. So, um, you know, as, as hot as they were the previous weekend, um, you know, they were playing some, some good competition this, this last weekend. Ohio State and Iowa were both, um, according to uh, the prognosticators, you know, they're supposed to be upper half of the conference type teams. And um, Iowa can't generate any offense. They, they're not going to finish in the top half. Of the I, was, I was shocked to see how, how poor their averages were. Um, because, you know, there's some guys that I've seen play there for the last few years that have certainly hit a lot better than, than, than the way they've started this year. At number um, five, who was number five for Iowa? Uh, was his name uh, – uh, oh, gosh. He's a good player. I hate Arian. to pick on the guy, but, oh, my God. Yeah. He, every time he got up the bat, I have, like, probably 40 photos of him walking away from the, the – you know, home plate with this just look of death on his face. And it was horrible. I felt bad for him, even though yeah. he's a fucking island. But he just, just, he looked like he was drained. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. you try to take pictures of people's emotions and reactions, and I didn't put any of those up, but I did give them to the Iowa guys. And I thought, this poor bastard is, he is not having a good time this week. Well, you know, it, yeah, that's that's the way the game goes. You know, I mean, they uh, their leadoff hitter, who 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 was their leadoff hitter on Saturday, um, a freshman kid from Nevada. Um, he didn't see <laughs> they they put in a pinch hitter for him late in that game, and then he you didn't see him again. You know, the last two games they played, he he did not play. You know, so it's early in the season. Coaches are still trying to figure out what they've got. Coach Bolt put a different lineup out there, you know, from one game to the next. He's still tinkering around. You asked who else did I see? You know, I, I'll tell you what, um, these young guys are going to be good. Jack Steele is, a, you know, he's a good player. Luke Banjoff. He's, a, who, he's studly. Or, yeah, he is. Leighton Banjoff. is just a studly guy. Leighton Banjoff, he was there last year. He's a hitter, and he's going to be a good player. It's going to be interesting because you got both, you know, Steele and Banjoff that are first basemen. You know, you can't play two of them there. So, you know, you got to find a way to get both those guys in the lineup. One of them is going to be a designated hitter. Um, Do you Max think Anderson, Max Anderson has his uh, driver's license yet? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he, he literally looks like he's 15 years old. He does. But I'll tell you what, that kid's got some hips and legs on him and uh, he can, and he's quick, man, his bat speed, he gets the bat through the, 
through the zone. He's, he's, he's a hitter. And Bryce Matthews, you know, the freshman from Texas that's playing second base. Um, he's cooled off a little bit, but you know, one of the things I want to mention before we move off uh, baseball is, it, you know, it was, I saw it on Slack today. Uh, somebody put it up there that Nebraska has the best fielding percentage of any team in the country. And, you know, I haven't seen them make an error. Um, right. They, that is incredibly important, you know, and you hear it all the time in football, you know, defense wins, wins games. You know, I mean, you can, we could have that argument till the cows come home, but you know, Nebraska is not making defensive mistakes, which that has been their Achilles heel in the last few years. And coach Bolt has these guys playing good defense. There's some depth in the lineup so that you can go the lefty righty stuff. But like I said, you know, he's still trying to figure out how to get some really good players out on the field. Mojo Hagee finally got his first start. And uh, now Mojo's been injured a little bit, but, um, you know, uh, he's got guys that want to be out on that field playing and they're going to fight tooth and nail to get their shot. That's a good problem to have. Oh, what else did we see about? But you know what the problem with baseball is? is they got to keep up with Michigan and Indiana. And uh, Michigan and Indiana right now are ahead of us. I think Michigan's only lost one game, but I what somebody played Penn State. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, like Michigan, I think I think Nebraska plays Michigan the last series of the of the season in Lincoln. Good. Get those yeah. sons of guns down there and and. Uh, See, you know, we'll we'll see who's 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 got what at that point. I'm worried about the series this weekend in Iowa City. Um, I've been to Iowa City and watched Nebraska play there on two different occasions, and they have not played well in Iowa City. And Coach Heller, he's a he is as good of a baseball coach as there is in the Big Ten Conference. Um, and I hate to, I just, it just. You're so much more respectful than I am for everybody. Good God. You know, I I was, I was right behind the Iowa dugout. So I I did hear the coaches talking about how the ball was moving around when it, when it was hit way high into the ceiling, they were talking about how it moved and there must be a draft up there. But I, again, that was something I was going to ask. And then I completely spaced off the presser. Uh, anything else about baseball? We'll move on to volleyball. No, just looking forward to the series this weekend with trepidation. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you beat the shit out of Iowa. They yeah, I hope so. It, Minnesota nice couldn't get... generate offense for shit, which is, uh, you know, you notice that Minnesota scheduled their games in the evening. There was a and reason I asked for that. one of the Minnesota guys. I pointed that out to him, and he looked at me and he goes, what do you think we are, stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, I get it. If it was my home stadium, that's what I'd do. And they didn't have to deal with any of the balls in the air stuff. Because right. you hate it when you can't find your balls. Anyway, <laughs> volleyball, what do you got? What's going volleyball? on? Volleyball? Well, so, so you know, all this intense volleyball, John, against Ohio State was going on while you and I were watching baseball. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, what, Nebraska – in the two games they played against Ohio State, both both games went five, or both matches went went to the fifth game. Uh, Nebraska pulled the one out on the first night, and then the second night, uh, Ohio State uh, Ohio State got them. And 
you know, Coach Cook, I, I read something in one of the newspapers. He said that when it came down to the end, uh, the team that wanted it the most is the one that, that won, you know, in, in, both, in both instances. Do you think um, that's it? You know what I think? What do you I think? I think the priests in Ohio are doing a better job than the priests in Nebraska. <laughs> the priests in Ohio are giving all the evil demon shit to like a University of Ohio or Youngstown or somebody else. <laughs> now they got a magical season going on in volleyball. Well, you know, uh, one of our volleyball writers at Coronation had, had commented about how well coached, you know, the Ohio State team is. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of resources there. If they can attract, uh, you know, the right kind of athletes, they could be good. But, you know, I, I've never – how do I want to say this? A loss in the regular season in most sports never – it doesn't bother me if the team learns from it and can move forward because of the loss. Um, unfortunately, we have some of our sports that are set up that, you know, losses can keep you from playoffs – et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, I understand that part of it too. But um, this loss is not going to keep Nebraska from advancing in the, in the Big Ten tournament and moving forward. Um, they played Iowa last night. Uh, the score looked pretty dominant. But, again, um, they, weren't, they, they, they weren't firing on all cylinders like – um, they normally do when they win by uh, by scores like that. Iowa goes over to Lincoln and plays them this weekend. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a little bit more fire and energy coming out of them. Maybe we should just have a group of women assassins because uh, women in Nebraska seem to kick ass. Maybe they just <laughs> kick the shit out of all the other. Just start assassinating. I right, stop that. Okay, let's move maybe, on. Maybe we should just drop. Maybe we should just drop football. Oh God, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead. Okay, so in the last week, some things happened with Nebraska football. <laughs> well, some I don't. You know, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, and and I don't quite get it. Um, because you know, maybe I have. Maybe I just haven't heard the whole story or, or read enough, but. You know, it came out in the news the other day that our AD, Bill Moose, has uh, announced that they they had been looking for, into the possibility of putting a home football game on September 4th. And I'm looking at this saying they already play 12 games, you know, but I don't know the rule. Are you capped at 12 games? Can you play 13 regular season? If you can play 13 regular season games, why the hell haven't you been playing them just for the revenue? So my guess is, is that we're capped at 12 games. So does that mean if they can get a game on September 4th, they're going to pay off southeastern, northwestern Louisiana or whoever it is that they play at the end of the season? I didn't even know there was a southeastern Louisiana, man. I looked at the schedule and went, what the fuck is that? Yeah, southeastern Louisiana. <laughs> is, southeastern Louisiana has to be ocean. It has to be swamp. I mean – yeah. Yeah. I think I, southeastern eastern Louisiana is actually Mississippi, but they didn't want to be called Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, is is that the plan? Because obviously you can't you can't drop a Big Ten game. We already have Buffalo. 
coming to Lincoln. Um, oh, do you suppose they would consider dropping Oklahoma? What? They'd never do that. Never in a million years would they ever consider dropping the most marquee game we've had in years. One that marks the 50th anniversary of one of the most amazing games in the history of college football, not just Nebraska football, not just Oklahoma football, but football itself. They would never consider that ever. So, so the only explanation that I can come up with is if they can find a home game on September 4th, that they'll pay off whatever they have to pay off southeastern Louisiana to get a home game earlier in the season and have a bye before Wisconsin and Iowa. Can I, you've had a long storied career in education. Have you ever been, have you ever done contingency planning? Yes. Okay. You know that during contingency planning meetings that you literally come up with every possible thing that might ever happen, no matter how fucking stupid it is. Just so it's on the list. Right? Yes, but generally we do not make that available to the public. Well, that's where the leaking comes in. But you know the contingency planning meetings, that's what you do. Yeah. And I've, I've been in contingency planning meetings because uh, for a, a part of my career, I've been involved in disaster recovery planning for IT departments and things like that. And, and literally during contingency planning meetings, uh, I have suggested that we plan for alien invasions, as in UFOs, not fucking aliens from Mexico or them fucking Canadians. I literally have said out loud, we need to plan for alien invasions. And people would look at me and I go, I want to make sure it's on the list because it sounds stupid until it happens. And somebody says, why didn't you think of that? Well, it's there. And honest to God, one time, I'm not making this up, I brought up the possibility of trained communist rats in the ceiling chewing through network wires. That is not a lie. That is literally a, a thing that I came up with in a contingency planning meeting for disaster recovery. And again, everybody looked at me and they said, what the hell is wrong with you? And I said, I am, you come up with every possibility, no matter how dumb it is. And replacing the Oklahoma game is dumb. It is. But it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. not alien invasion dumb or trained communist rats in the ceiling dumb, but it's pretty fucking stupid. It, it, it is. It's, it's one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard. And, you know, it just, it, it just blows my mind that, you know, and there's other, I guess there's probably other voices at the table, but you have Bill Moose and you have Scott Frost, who between the two of them, are going to have the final call. One of them is going to have the final decision. And the fact that it is was even a consideration for either of those two guys, I think is one of the one of the biggest black eyes that Nebraska football has has ever taken. Um, oh, just, now that's hyperbole. Well, just the mere thought of it. But Bill Callahan was a big black fucking eye. 
We had to put up with him for a long time. Well, I get that. Do you remember him going, kicking a field goal at Pitt from like the zero yard line on the road? Because that's what they do in the NFL. Everybody in their right mind knew that son of a bitch was a shitty coach when he did that. But we still had endured two, three more years of the fucker. I just don't know. So, John, what what's the advantage? Is 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 the reason to put a game on September fourth if they can get it? To have is is the is the motive behind that to have a a bye week before Wisconsin and Iowa? Is that the motive? No. I mean that makes some sense to me, but okay, we're going to play Illinois. Uh, Oklahoma, Buffalo, and Michigan State for our first four games. Yeah. Well, Buffalo won the MAC or something, didn't they, last year? They're not the shitty team they used to be. Illinois, they got Burt in charge now, so God knows what they're even going to do. But Burt's the one that came up with it. Wasn't Burt the Oklahoma or the Wisconsin coach that beat us 70-31? to Might have been. Yeah, yeah. Because he finally let his offensive coordinator go wild. He never wanted him to run that offense before. And then they, their defensive coordinator was like, hey, you know what we'll do? We'll stand up at the line so Taylor Martinez can't make any calls. And then the whole offense explodes because Bo Pelini never – he never did what, Todd? He never did a contingency planning meeting. <laughs> figuring out well what if they stand up at the line and we don't know where their defensive line is doing out there lining up what if they run the jet sweep over and over why because none nobody in any of these meetings ever said what if there were trained communist jet sweeps in the game well okay so so we're, we're getting, the reason why we're looking for a game september 4th is two reasons Number one, we want to win, and we're paranoid. That's the losers. You know what I mean? We're so beat up now by Nebraska football that we have a loser's mentality when we look at it. We go, well, obviously they're going to put a southeastern Tennessee in there because we need a win. We're going to lose all them other games against them name opponents. And then Oklahoma's going to kill us 73-2. to And then all life will end. So they need a win in there on September 4th against some shitty directional team. Second thing, they need a home game for revenue. That's been brought up because, you know, we need revenue, which is odd because uh, Nebraska's got to be one of the most well-run athletic programs in the nation. Well, and they're so worried about people. And the other reason is, is because we need to maintain the sellout streak. And I think they're actually, you know, above all things, the sellout streak is sacred. And if they don't, you know, you, you want people to come to the game in September that they know they're going to win. So you keep the sellout streak intact. So the com- revenue comes in. So the Haymark people are happy and uh, the bar people are happy. And that's what I see. I'm out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, spring practice is not that far down, you know, the road. And, uh, you know, people are already – talking about running backs and offensive linemen and tight ends and all that kind of stuff. And um, I, I, you know, I normally don't get that excited about spring practice. It's, or the spring game, never been to the spring game. Um, But (laughs) you know, what the hell is wrong with you? I, I, yeah, but um, I am, I am curious this year 
you know, what players, you know, start, start that upward trajectory. Um, and we may not know that because, you know, the, we're going to have to have a conversation about how content works, Todd. <laughs> See, that's what we do at Coordination. We create content that people want to listen to. So well, when we talk about the like, offensive line, we don't just, oh, shit, we'll get there. Uh, you know, one of the problems about football is Nebraska really has underachieved over the past three, four, 15 years. Uh, and the problem with it is, is, you don't. You have months to wait before they can prove anything. So mm-hmm. during this time, any misstep becomes magnified, you know, by millions of times. And and any you know anything that happens, everybody just poops themselves. So right, right. Well, and you know that's going to happen after the spring game because there's going to be players that are going to you know jump into the portal again. And people are going to be freaking about that. It's in my mind, that's not a bad thing that there are players getting in the portal because there's roster management issues anyway, because of the whole COVID thing. And the, you know, with the exception of Wandale Robinson, there hasn't been a guy jump into that portal yet that, well, maybe there might've been another one, but you know, for the most part, okay, go, go find another place. Um, You know, even back in the eighties when, you know, we were down on campus and hanging around, you know, there were walk-ons that came in and there were some of those low level recruits, you know, after that red shirt year, they'd take that red shirt year and they'd figure out, I am never going to find any place on the field. And it's not that important to me to have senior day where my parents can be down on the field and I can run out of the tunnel and get my name announced. I want to play somewhere. And right. you know, there were, a, there were probably 20 players a year, if not more that left the Nebraska program and ended up at Peru state or, you know, wherever it might be, Shadron state somewhere playing, playing football because, you know, they wanted to play the game. Um, and, you know, that's why guys go to college to play. They want to, most of them, they want to play the game. So. Well, Nebraska basketball lost three guys. Elijah yeah. Wood he really didn't see the court. I'm missing one of them. Oh my God, Yvonne Drago, who I, you know, I love that kid. I loved watching him, and I hope the best for him. But he really didn't develop into a Big Ten basketball player. The kid really, from Omaha, a crop or something like that. Oh, roll a crop, yeah. I, I thought he was supposed to be a. I know I've highly prized recruit, a, you know, a guy, but I think you had uh, Eduardo Andre suddenly showed up and Andre looks like, you know, he's really raw, but he's going to be him and Walker are going to be the guys, you know? Yeah. And well, with Drago just, he, he, I love the fact that he came from France when he was 17 year old, years old. He chose Nebraska. It was interesting to watch him play. Didn't develop. Didn't, he doesn't belong at, you know, I don't want to say Division One. I, I don't know, but he he doesn't belong in the Big Ten. So the best of luck to all of those guys. You know, well, I imagine I imagine Fred Hoiberg just looked at him and said, uh, "You know, look at the roster, guys. You're not." Um, I'm sure that's what I don't. Happened. I don't think I don't think Nebraska is the kind of school that just 
sits down and says, uh, but why don't you get the fuck out of here? Because there are a lot of schools that do that. If you yeah. go around talking to former players and things like that. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. Well, Hoiberg's going to bring in a few new players next year and he's got now some scholarships freed up. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's how he builds programs, you know, and um, hopefully, hopefully there are enough, there's enough of the nucleus that comes back that after a second year in the system, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to perform better. So. We should probably end soon. Yeah. Well, the wrestling tournament is coming back. So I kind of so like need to, to watch go watch. It. Yeah. 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 So I think I'm going to go watch Michigan state play UCLA and laugh at the teams that they used to be. Because <laughs> <There you laughs> if there's one thing I want to see through I, all, every year, what I look forward to most in the NCAA basketball tournament is uh, shots of people weeping. Well, shots of people in the stand with tears streaming down their cheeks because their Cinderella moment didn't get realized. There, there will be fans, uh, you know what, maybe like 25% of the, you know, the stadium or arena. There will be fans there, John, so you may get your wish. Now, if you cheer real hard for UCLA and if they beat Michigan State, you're going to have a very close friend of yours that's going to be weeping a lot of tears. Uh, uh, I'm not a UCLA guy. Fuck them. They had their day. <laughs> It might have been decades ago, but they can go to hell. There you go. There you go. All right. If you made it this far into the podcast, please give us some feedback. We never get feedback. We'd like some feedback. You can tell Todd he's, Todd, he's a commie or me that I'm a really sweet guy with a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> We like it when people lie to us too. Yeah, lies are good. Is there anything else? Oh, geez, I just looked and they're just showing Eric Schultz getting pinned. Yeah, let's end this thing. Oh God, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, earlier. All right, thank yeah. God. All right, yeah. this has been the Five Heart Podcast because five hearts is the only hearts you need. Todd, how's how's your heart, John? It's great. It's full of gold. Go big red. Go Big Red. And we're done.